We're continuing a series of Bible studies of Psalms, which we are calling a study of some Psalms, because we're not going to study all of the 150 Psalms that are in the Bible. We're just taking a few of the select Psalms and taking a look at those in this study series. But I want to ask you, do you have any go-to Psalms that you reach for when you are facing difficulties in your life, when you are searching for answers to the hard questions that press in on you, when you find yourself needing reassurance in the midst of life's storms? you have any of those go-to Psalms? Well, one of my go-to Psalms is Psalm 139, which happens to be the Psalm that we'll be studying today. This Psalm, it reminds me that the Lord understands me, that the Lord is always with me, and that the Lord is always got purpose for me. The Lord has the whole world in His hands, and I can trust Him with it. When life feels like it is out of control around me, it's a comfort to know that the Lord is bigger than all of it. And these are truths that I need to remember in the days that I'm living in. And these are truths that I believe that we all need to remember in the days that we're living in. Let me ask you a question. Who really knows you? Who really knows you? I mean, human language is an amazing gift given to us by God. A study conducted by UPI back in 2016 estimated that the average adult has a vocabulary of more than 40,000 words at the age of 20 and 50,000 words by the age of 60. Now some of you are thinking, hmm, you know, it's maybe about 100 year words to communicate most of what I have to say. But believe it or not, studies say that you are able to at least understand about 40,000 words or more. That's amazing. Well, even with all of those words available for expressing ourselves, we remain unknowable by each other in many ways, don't we? The human heart can be a very lonely place. There's an aloneness that we each live with that can't be bridged by our best efforts to communicate with each other. No one fully understands our deepest self, our emotions, our feelings, our motives, our thoughts. Even people who know us best don't know us in this deep, complete way. Our deepest sorrows and our greatest joys can't be fully expressed and shared with others. Only a fraction of ourself is ever really shared and known by others. We don't even know ourselves very well. There has been many times in my life when I have looked into my own heart and I try to figure out why I'm feeling the way I feel or why I'm acting a certain way. And I come away baffled and frustrated at the mystery that's myself. We want others to understand and know us, but we aren't able to communicate ourselves to them in the way that we would like. I mean, when we try to share our heart with another person, there is a certain frustration that comes along with it because the other person isn't 
unable to completely understand. We try to explain what we're feeling, but we have difficulty finding the right words. And then something always seems to get lost in the communication. We can feel frustrated and misunderstood and alone. Well, there's one, though, who understands us better than we understand ourselves, the Lord. The Lord knows us fully in every way, in every detail. The Lord sees into the depth of our heart and understands every thought, every feeling, every intention. St. Augustine said, God is closer to me than I am to myself. Knowing that God really knows me is a great comfort. It means that I am not alone. Someone always understands me. Someone is always completely getting me. This wonderful truth is stated more clearly and definitively in Psalm 139 than anywhere else in the Bible. So turn to Psalm 139 and we'll begin taking a look at it. Just by uh, introduction, David is credited as the author of Psalm 139. He's speaking throughout this psalm to the Lord. The Lord is the one that he is speaking to. This psalm, it talks about some very lofty theological truths about God, but it does it in an intensely personal way. Rather than God being pictured as this distant deity indifferent toward David, the Lord is shown to be intimately aware and involved in every detail of David's life. This is one of the things that makes this psalm so appealing to us. It talks of deep theological truths about God, but in a way that makes God close and personal. If we were to break this psalm down into an outline, it has four main parts, six verses for each part. Verses 1 through 6, I could say it's summarized this way, Lord, you know me. And then verses 7 through 12, Lord, you are always with me. Verses 13 through 18, Lord, you made me. And finally, verses 19 through 24, Lord, I want to please you. So, verses 1 through 6, Lord, you know me. This psalm begins with one of the most beautiful and personal expressions of the all-knowingness of God found in Scripture. The theological term for God's all-knowingness is omniscience. Everything there has ever been to know, everything there will ever be to know, God knows. He has always known everything. God knows everything about us. He knows everything we have ever done. He knows everything we are ever going to do. He even knows what we are thinking before we are thinking it. The one place of privacy that we all always have from other people is our own mind. No one knows what we're thinking unless we tell them. Our head is our one private domain. But even that domain is not kept private and secret from God. He knows every thought. We are always completely exposed and transparent to Him. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. But rather than that creating a feeling of frightening vulnerability for David, it produces peace and security. So in verse 1, 
He begins this way. He says, you searched me, Lord, and you know me. You have searched me and you know me. You have completely examined and explored every detail of me. You know everything there is to know about me. You know me better than I know myself. There is no one who knows me more fully than you do, Lord. To be truly known and understood is a tremendous comfort when we trust the one who knows us. Verse 2, You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. David repeatedly in this psalm uses extremes to express the idea of the full breadth, the wholeness, the comprehensiveness of the Lord's knowledge and presence. And so here in this verse, he is doing that. He says, you know when I sit and when I rise, you discern my going out and my lying down. You know whether I am sitting or standing, whether I am coming or going, whether I am asleep or awake, whether I am resting or running, whether I am fretting and freaking out or peaceful. You know every position and situation I am ever in. You know what I am doing and what is going on around me at all times. He says, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You are familiar with all my ways. You, Lord, not only have a full knowledge of my actions and the activity that's going on around me, but you have a full knowledge of my very thoughts. You understand me completely. And that knowledge is not limited to distance or time. His knowledge of us is always immediate, relevant, up-to-date. Friends have to catch up with each other after they have been apart for a while. That's never needed with the Lord. He's always caught up. Always knows what has happened and what is going to happen in our life. Verse 4 says, Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. The Lord knows us so well that He even knows what we are going to say before we say it and knows the full and intended meaning of what we say. As we observed a little bit earlier, even with a vocabulary of 40,000 plus words, we, we have difficulty communicating with other people. Not so with the Lord. He understands completely. Before we say it, He knows it and understands it. Five, He says, You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. You hem me in. You encircle me. You surround me. You enfold me. Behind and before. You are behind me, and you are in front of me. He says, You lay your hand upon me. The, the imagery is of the Lord placing His big, strong hands gently, carefully, lovingly over our life, nestling us into His protective grip, safe and secure. Verse 6, he says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. This is all too wonderful for David to get his head around. It blows his mind. His circuits are being Shorted when he tries to get a hold of all of this. 
I'm lost for words, Lord, when I consider how amazing you are and how much you love me. Romans 11:33, Paul wrote, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who's known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Well, in this next section, verses 7 through 12, they can be summed up by saying, Lord, you are always with me. The psalm now presents one of the most beautiful and personal expressions of the everywhere presentness of God in the Bible. And the theological term for God's everywhere presentness is omnipresence. All of God is present everywhere all the time. There is no place in all of existence where we can go and be hidden from God. There is no escape from the all-seeing eye of God. God is closer to us than our own thoughts. We're never alone. He is always present, always aware, always sees, always near. Anywhere we go, God is there. God was there before we got there. So verse 7, he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And the answer to both of those questions is nowhere. Then he begins to elaborate on that in the next verse. He says, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Again, David is using the greatest extent that he can imagine in the vertical direction, no matter how high or how low he goes, the Lord is there. So he says, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I, go, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. The, the word translated depths is Sheol, which was the place of the dead. It was thought to be the deepest, most remote place in existence. And so I go up as high as I can imagine going, and you're there. And I go as deep down as I can imagine ever going, and you're there too. Verse 9, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. David uses the greatest extents he can imagine in the horizontal direction now. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, in other words, if he traveled east to where the sun's first rays of light appear in the early morning, the Lord would be there or if I travel on the far side of the sea, if he traveled west beyond the sea's horizon to where the sun disappears, the Lord would be there too. As far as I can go up, as far as I can go down, as far as I can go east, as far as I can go west, you are there, Lord. You are everywhere. No matter where I am, you will guide me, you will direct me, you will hold me securely. 11. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. 
So he imagines if he were to try to hide in the darkest of places, he says, even there he would be visible to the Lord. It's tremendously debilitating for us to be in a place where there is no light. Black is black, and we stumble around, groping, trying to find our way. We need light to see. Not so with the Lord. The Lord is not limited by the absence of light. The the dark is as light to Him. Nothing limits His ability to see and to know where we are. This third section, verses 13 through 18, could be summarized as, Lord, you made me. This third part of the psalm is a beautiful and personal expression of the Lord's amazing, unequaled power. The theological term for God's all-powerfulness is omnipotence. God possesses absolute power. There is Nothing in all of the existence that equals his power. All other powers combined together can't equal the power of God. There is only one being in all of existence that can have the word Almighty used as an adjective for him. Almighty God. There's no thing that can ever come into our life. No thing that can ever happen to us which is beyond the power of God to handle. He is always greater, bigger, stronger. David makes God's all-powerfulness personal by describing how the Lord has made him. Verse 13, he says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Even with David's limited understanding of biology and human anatomy, the wonderment that David expresses about the intricate complexity of God's creating him is something that we can appreciate. it's, It's not the scientific accuracy of the description that captures us. It's the heartfelt worship that oozes from the poetic phrases that he uses which touch our heart. He says, you created my inmost being. You formed and shaped me into being. You made, you, you had a hand in making every detail of me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You took the basic building blocks of life and you made me from them. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I praise you. I worship you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am awed and amazed at what you have created. Your works are wonderful. Your artistry, your craftsmanship, your creativity and abilities are wonderful, Lord. 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. This is poetic language to express the mystery and the wonder of conception and development of life. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. 
the Lord was not only intimately involved in the making of David's body, he was intimately involved in creating every aspect of David's life, planning every moment of his life before he was even born. The same is true for each of us. You are not an accident. The Lord knew all about you before you were ever conceived. It makes me think of that verse in Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10. It says, For you are God's handiwork, or you are God's work of art, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do, or He planned out long ago for you to do. He has a beautiful purpose for each of us. 17 says, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Lord, it's hard for me to imagine that you have thought so much about me. Lord, you imagined me before I existed. You brought me to life. You gave my life purpose. You know every detail about me. You are always with me. I am never out of your mind. There is no one who has thought more about you, cares more about you, dreamt more about you, loves you more than the Lord. How precious to me are your thoughts. How vast is the sum of them, God. Finally, this fourth and last part of the Psalm 19 through 24 can be summarized with, Lord, I want to please you. These verses are David's response to these incredible truths about God that he has meditated upon. His response is, Lord, I want to please you. Verse 19, it says, if, if only you, God, would slay the wicked, away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. Speak, they speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as enemies. Now, David first here, he expresses his loyalty to the Lord. These verses are what theologians call imprecatory. There are entire psalms which are imprecatory psalms. Imprecatory psalms and verses are those which call down judgment or curses on one's enemies. And these kinds of verses, these imprecatory verses and psalms, they make us uncomfortable, to say the least. Not only as Christians, but also just in our modern sensibilities. We know that Jesus taught us in Matthew 5.44 to love our enemies and to pray for them. And this doesn't sound like that, does it? We know, though, that God opposes sin and that God's judgment is coming upon the evil of this world one day. So when we encounter imprecatory verses in the Psalms, we, we want to see them from the righteous perspective of God rather than as some kind of personal vendetta 
which is what they may sound like on the surface. And we want to look for the heart intention behind those words of the psalmist. So, in the case of verses 19 through 22 here of Psalm 39, we see a person who is expressing his loyalty to the Lord. He is aligning himself with God. He has chosen sides with the Lord. He is sold out to the Lord. He has thrown in with God. The Lord's friends are his friends and the Lord's enemies are his enemies. He is concerned about the things that God is concerned about. Verse 23, he ends the psalm with, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In these final verses, David's response to the Lord's all-knowingness, his omniscience, his everywhere presentness, his omnipresence, and his all-powerfulness, his omnipotence, is not to recoil in fear away from God, but to throw his life wide open to the Lord and invite him to examine him and to bring the Lord's wonderful knowledge and power to bear upon his life so that he can become more pleasing to the Lord and be drawn closer to the Lord. He seeks relationship with God. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. David began the psalm in verse 1 with the words, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. And now he invites the Lord to search him and to know him. He's asking for intimacy with the Lord. He has meditated on the Lord's reaching for him. And now he is reaching for the Lord back to him. David is not afraid. He wants the Lord to come close and to know Him. He wants the Lord to to come and to examine every aspect of His life. He knows the Lord loves Him. He trusts the Lord. It makes us think of 1 John 4.18 where John wrote, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. He says, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in your way, Lord, to follow your path, to be pleasing to you. I want for me what you want for me, Lord. In closing, When we realize there is no escape from God's all-seeing eye, that everything we have ever done is known by Him, that everything we have ever thought is known by Him, that we are completely exposed and transparent and vulnerable to Him, it could fill us with terror and dread if we're facing Him on our own merits. But if we are in Christ the precious Son of God, covered by His righteousness, then the omniscience and the omnipresence and the omnipotence of God is a wonderful comfort to us. We are known and understood and watched over and protected by one who loves us beyond description. We're never alone. We are never forgotten. We are always being looked after. Every prayer is heard and attended to. 
Romans 8.35, Paul wrote this. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The all-knowing, everywhere present, all-powerful love that God has for us. Christian, rest in that. Find peace in it. Trust in it. He has you now and always. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this wonderful reminder that we are given in Psalm 139 of your love for us. You know everything about us. You are always with us. And you are all-powerful, Lord. One that we can absolutely trust in every situation. Lord, I pray for your people that you would fill us with peace, security, rest, joy. Because we are known by you, looked after by you. We are yours, Lord. What an awesome thing it is to know that. In Jesus' name, amen.